Welcome to the Cold Steel Surgical Podcast with your hosts Amir Farouk and Chad Ball. Welcome back to another episode in our series for CARMS 2023. This is a rebroadcast from last year and our conversation with Dr. Mike Ott, former program director for the Western General Surgery Program in London, Ontario. We unfortunately did not get a chance to catch up with new program director, Dr. Julianne Van Conet, but please listen to this rebroadcast from last year and enjoy. Dr. Ott, Thank you very much for joining us today on the Cold Seal podcast. It's really a pleasure to have you and all the really hardworking program directors join us for such a session for incoming applicants. And I know you've just been on a three-hour session uh, for incoming residents as well. And thank you again for joining us. Oh, thanks very much for having me. I think this is going to be really exciting to have this go out on the podcast. Can you start by telling us a little bit about uh, the Western Residency Program, please? Sure. I mean, we're, um, I would describe us as a medium-sized program. We take five residents each year, um, so a total of 25 plus or minus one or two, depending on how things uh, work out every year for our residency training program. We're in southwestern Ontario. London as a city is about, uh, uh, about 400 to 450,000 people, but we serve a really large catchment area. Um, I've been the program director for about 10 years. Um, so I'm not new at this as far as program directorship goes. Um, and I think we have a really, really strong program as far as training excellent surgeons and allowing people to get the jobs and or fellowships that they're interested in uh, doing. Yeah, Western has such a great reputation. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about the, some of the strengths in your mind of the, the Western program? Yeah, so I think that, you know, over the years, I've kind of come to realize there are three important components to any training program. Uh, one is clinical volume. One are educational experiences outside of clinical volume. And the other is what I call uh, mentorship or collegiality. And I think we excel in all of those. As far as clinical volume goes, um, for those of you that may or may not be aware, Southwestern Ontario is a large area, um, even though London itself is a smaller city in comparison to some of the very large cities in Canada, our catchment area is massive. So everything west of Hamilton, all the way to the border. Um, So uh, even though London is 400 some odd thousand people, our catchment area is about 1.5 to 2 million people. And there's no tertiary care level or um, level one trauma centers other than London serving all of Southwestern Ontario. So we have a very large catchment area and a very large clinical volume of tertiary care. And within that clinical volume, we don't have a tremendous number of fellows. And so our residents get a lot of experience in looking after patients with both simple disease that are uh, from our local area and then complex disease from within the region. So uh, we have all the services of a large tertiary care hospital and service a population that's bigger than uh, some of the major metropolitan areas like Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver, because they have to divvy up their uh, clinical volumes between multiple hospitals. With regards to education programs, we have a lot of things outside of work or clinical volume that I think allows residents to achieve their goals at being excellent surgeons. We have a really organized and well-run research training program by Dr. Kelly Boat. We have uh, a lot of productivity um, in our program and opportunities for research if that's what people want to do with their career. We have a lot of communities 
that are local to London, as I said, our catchment area is quite large. It spans as far as three hours away in Owen Sound. And so we have a lot of community partners where residents can go and work in these smaller communities that range anywhere from 30,000 up to 40, 50,000 uh, population base. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, we have uh, a large amount of money that's available for residents. So our residents, when they uh, present at meetings, get paid to go to meetings. And prior to COVID, uh, we were spending anywhere between 60 to $75,000 a year on residents traveling to research meetings. Um, that gets their work out there, that gets them in, uh, introduced to mentors and, and, uh, and to see how things are done in other parts of the country or the world, depending on where they're presenting their work. Um, we have a very innovative trauma simulation program run by Dr. Rob uh, Leeper um, that includes video feedback and play-by-play -play and discussions. And uh, our residents, as they come into the program, get added to a team. Uh, they stay in that team throughout their five years of residency. So people are added and subtracted, but the core of the team throughout your training stays the same. And it's kind of a fun competition amongst the different teams. Um, uh, and uh, you stay with that group of individuals through your trauma simulations throughout the five years, and that creates some really good relationships. And then we have a really strong journal club program that includes going to restaurants. And I think the, the cornerstone of why our program is really successful at the Royal College exam is that we have probably the best exam preparation program where our faculty spend a tremendous amount of time on their free time uh, with no arms twisted to prepare our residents for the examination. And the final part of training programs, which I think is really important and often overlooked, is that mentorship or collegiality. Our program is not that big. We have 25 residents and we have somewhere in the neighborhood just over 30 faculty involved. We have two main training sites. And even though we're a big hospital that does a lot of important work, um, everyone knows each other. Everyone cares about each other. Our residents often describe it more of a, as a family relationship than really being a work relationship. And our faculty are very, very invested in our residents, um, education is one of the pillars of our training of our program within the Division of General Surgery and the Department of Surgery. It's a very important thing to our program. It's something that we pride a lot of. And so it's easy to find mentors, it's easy to find friends. Um, a lot of our faculty treat our senior residents more like peers. There's independent operating that occurs as you get into later stages of, of your career. Um, and I think that it, people find that it's a very comfortable place to work. If you work really hard and do a lot of hard work and no one appreciates the work you do, then you get burned out pretty quickly. When you're in a place where you might work hard, but everyone really appreciates what you do and demonstrates that appreciation by investing in you or buying you lunches, buying drinks, going out places together, doing things together, uh, caring about your life outside of work, um, then that makes you feel very important and uh, it creates a, a sense of belonging which I think we have. And so I think those three areas, the clinical volume, the programs outside of just the clinical work, and then that feeling of belonging and collegiality makes us an excellent place to train. And that's why, to be honest, in the 10 years that I've been a program director, no one really has left the program. We don't fail people out of the program. We bring people up to where they need to be and people don't transfer out. In fact, we've had more people transfer in in the 10 years than we've had transfer out of the program. And I think that it really speaks to the feeling that once you're in, you're in and you belong and everyone's going to invest everything in you to make sure that you're an exceptional surgeon by the time you're done. So I think those are the main things that I would highlight about our program. You know, Mike, I think that's beautifully said. And I think from the outside, it sure seems like that, you know, the collegiality and the, the tightness of, of your group, both on the trainee side as well as the faculty side in London is, is clear, I think, to the rest of the country. Um, 
beyond that though, you, you know, you guys have really graduated some real icons and some, and some, some true giants in surgery over many, many decades. More recently, you've reintegrated a lot of these really great graduates back into your own faculty and your own program. Curious if you could give some of the applicants a sense of what your graduates on, on average go on to do, uh, fellowships, community jobs, uh, direct entry work, whatever that would be. Yeah, so I think if you were to look over, again, the 10 years that I've been involved and to say, well, how many go on to fellowship and how many work in the community, it's probably somewhere in a neighborhood of 60 to 70% would do fellowship. And about 30 to maybe 40% would go and work directly in the community when they're done. It changes every year. Some years we have um, two or three that want to work in the community and not do extra training. Um, and so then when someone does fellowship, that doesn't always mean that they're going to go on to do an academic job. So we have a number of individuals that have done extra training in the area of critical care, colorectal, um, even uh, HPB, and then have decided not to work in academic centers, but work in large community hospitals. And so that's always uh, a great thing too. Our residents are highly competitive um, for um, uh, sought after fellowships. They do very well because not only do they get a lot of great references and we have a lot of connections, um, but they are given the freedom to do the things that they need to do within their training program to make them strong applicants. Um, and so we are, our residents populate all kinds of things. Uh, we have a number of individuals that have taken jobs in uh, Stratford and St. Thomas, which are uh, local uh, towns that are not that far from London that have anywhere between 50 to 100,000 people. Um, then, you know, Sarnia, Windsor, which are slightly bigger cities. Um, and then I've been very proud that we've populated a bunch of academic spots across the country. Uh, there's individuals that work in Calgary. We've had individuals take jobs in Saskatchewan, Ottawa. Uh, some have come back to London uh, and contributed to our faculty, um, but we're solely starting to infiltrate in a bunch of different areas. Um, and so I think that the main thing is that about our programs, we don't have a prototypical graduate where we say, you know, if you come to Western, this is what you're going to be um, rather than, uh, we work with our learners to decide what is their career goals. And then sometimes that takes a year or two for them to figure that out. And then we figure out how we're going to make that happen. Uh, the only thing that we demand is that people be exceptionally good surgeons by the time they're done their training. And we make sure of that. But as far as what their career goals are, we're interested in supporting them to be the best wherever they're going to be. So if they're going to go to a community hospital, then they're going to be the best surgeon that community hospitals ever had. If they're going to be an academic surgeon, then they're going to be highly functional not just in surgery, but in all the other components of academia, administration, research, and otherwise. Um, and I think we have the building blocks to create um, a successful uh, career for whatever someone wants to aim for. And I think that's the nice thing about our program. Um, that is a little bit different than some other programs is that there's flexibility built in the system. We don't have kind of, if you will, what a Western graduate is other than an exceptional surgeon. Um, the rest of it is really what do people want to do. And we, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what's important to our learners and then figuring out and tracking um, uh, a mechanism for them to achieve that success over their time with us and after us. Um, so I'm very, very proud of the graduates we have. Um, we have some pretty exceptional people working in London and some pretty exceptional people working both in Canada and the United States. Uh, and I think are some of the leaders and will be some of the leaders moving forward in Canada and surgery. Dr. Ott, one of the thing, the unique things I think about Western is some of the research opportunities. And I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that residents can actually take a year off during their residency to, to pursue 
research, uh, like a formal research here. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have a very um, extensive research program. Um, we recognize that not everyone wants to do um, a ton of research or have an academic career and this focuses on research. However, we believe that it's very important if you're going to be a surgeon, particularly practicing in North America or anywhere in the world at this point, that you need to be um, facile with how research is done and to interpret research properly. And part of that is being engaged in research. So we kind of have three different streams um, for people who uh, are meeting their research requirements to learn the basics of what they need in order to interpret and the literature and to be uh, exceptional um, uh, uh, you know, uh, surgeon, surgeons that understand how the world is changing because the practice changes, um, all the way up to people that are aiming for academia and want to do, um, for example, a randomized controlled trial. Um, and so we have different streams and residents kind of choose which of those three streams they want to be in. We have an ex exceptional research uh, director, uh, Dr. Vogt, um, who's very involved in research nationally and trauma. Um, and she um, makes sure that everyone is doing what they need to do when they need to do it and gets the support they need to do it. But as far as taking time out, it's really quite flexible. We've had residents take a year to do what we have a local program. It's a master's of surgery. It's a thesis de derived degree um, through the university. It's a one year program. It's meant to be done uh, during uh, some of the clinical work. So fellows and residents will often engage in that. Um, we've had residents take two years out to do a more formal master's, whether that be basic science or otherwise. Um, and then we even have a resident who's just returned uh, after four years of completing their PhD in epidemiology at Harvard University. So again, there's no real formula. It's more about what career you're wanting to do. Um, if you come to Western, you're gonna be engaged in research. Um, and if you say you're not interested, that doesn't matter. That's a requirement of our program and we don't make any excuses for that, but the level of which your engagement is in research is going to be variable depending on your career goals. But we design our training program with a lot of flexibility to meet uh, a learner's needs. And so if they're wanting to aim for extended time and doing extra um, degrees or, or whatever it is that they want to achieve, we're willing to work with them to make that achievable. Um, so we definitely have flexibility in that manner. That's superb. Mike, I think we all know that the London area is a lot of fun. and There's a lot uh, that, that 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 region uh, in general offers um, folks outside of medicine in particular. We're wondering maybe for some of the applicants what some of your residents, uh, you know, get up to outside of the hospital, um, what some of the things they can do are and, and what their living um, uh, looks like in general. Yeah, London is a nice place to live because it's exceedingly affordable. So a large proportion of residents will even actually purchase small homes as opposed to rental properties or rent an apartment. Some don't choose to, but some will. Um, and that's completely affordable on a resident's salary with the salary structure through PARO and the Ontario uh, organization uh, that uh, structures the payments. So um, that's definitely doable. And so I think that that is a nice thing. And that doesn't exhaust all of their income. So residents still have money to travel and do other things that they want to do. Um, you know, London's kind of nice because it's sandwiched in between Lake Huron and Lake Erie. So within an hour to an hour and a half, you can be on one of the Great Lakes. Um, and there's lots of great beaches and camping and other things and outdoor activities. Uh, there's lots of hiking. Uh, that's something that I really appreciate and enjoy. The Bruce Trail runs all the way 
um, from uh, Tobamori, which is the northern part of southwestern Ontario, all the way down to Niagara. And so you can engage in that. Um, we have a local hockey team that everyone's excited about. It's a, uh, you know, it's a OHL team, so it's juniors, but um, the arena is built downtown and it's really become a thing that people do. So we have eight or 9,000 people that show up to uh, London Knights hockey game and there's all kinds of bars and restaurants that, are, uh, that people go to before and after the game. And so that's quite a, an event. We have a pretty decent art community. There's a local theater that puts on some great productions. We have a local um, uh, 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 art gallery as well. And then Stratford, Ontario, which has world-class um, theater is like 40 minutes away. So you can drive down to go see some of the most greatest Shakespearean actors that you ever want to see, plus non-Shakespeare as well, but it's kind of wor worldwide known as an exceptional place. So there's lots of activities to do. Um, and I think that our residents have the time to do it. And the, the other thing is they have the disposable income because their cost of living is actually pretty, pretty, pretty good when you compare it to places like uh, Vancouver, Toronto, and even Calgary, I think is pretty expensive now. Um, our residents have a pretty good uh, salary and have money to do things with. And they do a lot of things together, which is a lot, of, which it makes me pretty proud when the cohort spends times together or vacations together or things like that, that again, just speaks to our, our motto, which is we work hard and we play hard. And I think that, that there's lots of opportunities. And if people want to travel, we have a, an airport in London that you can get to Toronto or Detroit pretty quickly. Um, and then if you want to drive to Toronto and Detroit, that's two two hours either way. So we're kind of nicely nestled in this part of southwestern Ontario that um, has a lot to offer and everything's close by. So I think it's a great place to live. It's been a great place for me to raise my family. So well, that sounds absolutely lovely. Dr. Ott, just in closing, we were wondering if you could tell prospective applicants something that they might find surprising about the program. And also, if there's any other things that you would like uh, prospective applicants to know about Western. Yeah, so I think that the most surprising thing is that, um, you know, and this has been something that's long standing, but often Western has a reputation of being a, a very, what people would describe as a hard program. I'm not sure how that became or why it became, and, but certainly residents or students often come and ask about that. And I'm not sure where that's come from. Uh, I certainly think we have a lot of expectations of our trainees. Uh, we give them a lot of autonomy. We want them to be decision makers with backup, obviously. Um, but this idea that, that it's a cold place to work, um, if you ask our residents, that's not the case. They feel very well cared for. Um, we've had lots of residents engage in all kinds of activities with our faculty. We really treat them more like uh, if you will, family or children in a sense, as opposed to residents. And so if you come and spend time in London, and unfortunately, because of COVID, um, the applicants aren't going to be able to spend time in London, but over and over and over again, residents that are not from London will tell me they were a little um, fearful of coming, but when they came, they were hooked and they decided to stay. And we have residents from all across the country. Um, so that's, I think, something that's a bit surprising that this reputation that it's a difficult program or a tough place to train um, isn't really true. It's definitely a place where you're going to be um, uh, pushed to be your absolute best, but you're going to have a lot of support or caring. Um, and then I think the things that are most helpful to applicants, I think the, the thing that I always try and tell students, and I, I know they don't believe me when I say it, but the algorithm is built for you to get what you want more than me as a programmer to get what I want. So think of your training 
as a Christmas list or a birthday wish list. You know, start from the top down to the bottom, rank the things that you really want. Don't worry about playing games with your rank list. Just if you had your ideal um, place you wanted to go, rank it. Don't try and overthink it. Uh, the people that try and overthink it or play the games with the algorithm sometimes end up losing out because they've uh, they've overthought the thing too much. So my, that's my big piece of advice. And then I really think it's important for people to figure out whether they feel comfortable in a place training. And, you know, the reality is, like I said, I've been doing this for 10 years. I know all the programs across the country. I've been involved in some of the accreditations of the programs across the country. There isn't a bad program in Canada. Um, you're going to get well-trained no matter where you go, but each one has a bit different flavor. It has some pros, it has some cons. Um, and the reality is, is it the right fit for you as an applicant? We're trying to look for, if you're a right fit for our program, you need to figure out whether the program is a right fit for you. And don't be afraid to pick something that you think isn't the most prestigious or seems crazy to go to this place. If you feel it's the right fit for you, if you're in a program where you fit well, um, you will excel if you go to a program where you don't think you're going to fit well, but somehow it will change while you're in your training. That never happens. So I think it's really important to feel comfortable with where you go um, and to really choose what you think is best for you and not to overthink the whole ranking thing. Um, people, I've seen all kinds of disasters over the years when people try and overthink it. Just go with what your heart tells you is the best place and the best fit. You've been listening to Cold Steel, the official podcast of the Canadian Journal of Surgery. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. We love to hear your thoughts, comments, and feedback. So send us an email at podcast.cjs at gmail.com or tweet at us at CanJSurge. Thanks again.